Jesus. 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 We mention your name. The name above every other name. And we look to you. And we will not be ashamed tonight. Amen. I want to thank Jen once again for putting the playlist together for us. Such a blessing. Um, So, um, before we go on any further, exactly 16 years ago today, I got hitched to a 20-year-old young lady. We have been through some stuff the last 16 years, lots of adventures, Tricks up mountains. <clears throat> I may have told this dream before. It's short. I, Karis, told me even tonight again to not talk about her. So I'm not going to talk about her. I'm going to talk about us a little bit. Hey, honey. Hey. I had this dream probably 13 years ago, maybe more. Yeah, I think we were still, well, 13, 14 years ago, shortly into our marital state. You'll be there one day, Gabriel. You will be there. Your wife is going to be awesome. She is awesome. She's alive right now. Um, so is your hubby, Emma. He is a man of God. He is a warrior, and he is so kind and gentle and a worshiper. Anyway, I had this dream. So in the dream, it was just pretty short, but it got the point across. Karis and I, well, I was going up this mountain. It was a steep mountain, and there was thick, like, overgrown brush and trees so a lot of obstacles it was at night it was raining and it was cold I mean that's a lot of like uh, layers of difficulty and I remember I was hiking up and I just it felt really tough arduous and <laughs> It's kind of funny, but it's kind of not. Karis is behind me. <laughs> and she is weeping. But, and so, like, I could tell how tough it was for her. And, like, sort of in within me, I'm like, what am I doing leading us in these conditions up this direction? This is my wife. And she is weeping, but she's got this, like, trooper trudge she's like like almost like march and she's determined to keep going and she is not even though she's weeping she's like this i'm going to call it what it is i'm going to experience it as it is but i am not budging an inch um 
the last 13 or 14 years, uh, that dream, uh, though it hasn't been, you know, all that, that's a pretty accurate description of how God has taken us for, you know, 13, 14 years. Um, but it was, so 16 years ago today, now tomorrow, it will be 19 years exactly since I first went out to Solomon's porch with this little 17-year-old from Pennsylvania, and I took her around Wilmore on a tour of my home turf. I'm like, yeah, that's where my, me and my buddies used to vandalize. Yeah, right over there, that's where I did this and that. I didn't know this till years later, but she had plotted out an escape plan in her head because she didn't know, like this basketball player, upperclassman, she thought I might like try to kidnap her or something. So she was like mapping out her escape plan, like seriously. That's not a joke. She seriously was. Um, little did she know that she, <laughs> she was going to be captured for the next 19 years and beyond. So, uh, and as a little cool footnote to that, she the whole time was totally judging me. I'm a dumb, arrogant jock, pompous, punk, shallow, trying to mack on a freshman. And she was about to like just be like, uh-uh. As we were sitting by the reservoir on a little green bench that they used to have around campus, several of these. And it was there that I told her my testimony, which at this point was about two weeks old. And I didn't even think to, I, I didn't even think, I was hardly told my testimony at that point because it was so new. But she started talking about this guy in her youth group who she was concerned about. He was like a little brother to her. And she started talking about, um, you know, he was getting into drugs. And I was like, oh, yeah, I used to do that like a couple weeks ago, I'm thinking. And so I just told her what God had done in my heart a couple weeks ago and how he delivered me. And, you know, most of you know it's a pretty dynamic story that happened in one moment. But uh, she was convicted of judging me right then and there, the 17-year-old from Pennsylvania. And uh, she still wasn't ready. To, she was not attracted to me at all, she'll tell you. And she wasn't ready to, like, do anything more than be like, okay, I guess I can be friends towards this dude. Um, but I won. And she did too. <clears throat> and I carved our initials in the bench and put the date September 3rd, 2004. What a bold and a little bit creepy move. After one date with a 17-year-old. But it worked out in my favor. And 17 months and 11 days later, I took her to that same bench. I flipped it over because I was too scared to show her before then. It'll freak her out. I showed it to her, and then I proposed that night. I figured it's safe to show her now because we're either in or out. Like, I'm 
asking her to marry me so it's safe to show her my creepy uh, carving of our initials and September 3rd, 2004. So here we are. Um, I'm going to say something one more. Sorry. It's sorry. Sorry, but not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Um, we went through so much warfare before we were married and uh, a strong spirit of delusion came on me and a religious spirit and basically tried to convince me that I couldn't be married to anyone but Jesus. And so my marriage with Karis couldn't take place. And to the point where she gave me the ring back, we were, I mean, sobbing, snotting. I, she was the person I loved most, but I knew that I couldn't get married because that would get in my way of monk life, pretty much. But God, uh, and I, Mike will tell you this, I remember telling Michael, I was like, if Karis and I would be together, that would take a literal miracle. And our relationship had not only died, but it had been buried, and Jesus Christ resurrected it. And so we've been through quite the uh, journey since then, but uh, I believe and have a promise of bliss. So... I believe and therefore I declare that. What else do I want to say before the kids come? I don't know. If it's important, it'll come back to me. You have announcements? Okay. Sixteen years of weeping. It's been good. <laughs> it hasn't been all weeping. <laughs> um, okay, so if you didn't get to come last week, we had the luau and we had seven and then a surprise eighth baptism. So it was awesome. So big thanks to um, Uncle Tim and Aunt Debbie for hosting that and for having that idea to go ahead and do baptisms at that time too. It was just a really, really special time. Um, I think that I've already talked to all the parents who have kiddos, but I put together these bags. And if anybody notices, I needed, we really need to take them down before, like before we leave every Saturday night and put them back up again, because I think that's where Wilmer Christian hangs their coats in the morning. But if I, if I forget, so that's where the bags will go. And each kid who is regular here will have a name on it. And then I think we've got three extra bags for when people are coming that, uh, that are guests. Um, and they're for, they're for fifth grade and under the ones that are labeled. So tonight will be our first kid care for second grade and younger if parents want their kids slash babies to go back there. Jen and I are going to be back there. And um, Jen, did I was going to ask if one of the older kids wanted to come back with us too to take care of the babies if some of the babies came back. I kind of thought Cohen might want to. I know Z wants to too. You'll have the chance another time. Okay, babe. Okay. Um. Okay. Oh, yeah. Don't forget about home churches Tuesday night, ladies Thursday night. Um, and also to sign up for John Edward and Gloria's food train. They could really use more people. So even if you've signed up, if you want to sign up again, I'm sure they would really appreciate it. Um, 
They've been good. They have a lot of obvious grace and mercy in this new childbirth, but it's also been hard, as you all can imagine, who have either had kids or been around people who have had kids, <laughs> which I guess is all of us, right? So you can imagine that it is t- it's tough. So any extra things like that, like food, are going to be a big help for them. They have family coming again. Um, I think it's Gloria's dad, right? Gloria's dad and step mom, step will be mom, right? Fiance, yes. Um, I think that's it. Anybody else have some announcements? All right. Just wanted to say publicly to the pinners, we love you. We regard you highly. We believe that heaven does too. And uh, we're with you. And Sue prayed specifically for you guys at the prayer uh, meeting. And Sue has a continual pattern of powerful prayers, as you guys know. <clears throat> All right, kids, come on down. Come on down, kids. All right. What's up, dude? Solon, you, you, wait, you, you, wait, you look different. Wait, wait a second. What is it? Hold on. Haircut? No, 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 no. You grew out your eyelashes? No, no, they were already that long. Wait. Oh, it's what happened to your brother, too. You look baptized. You absolutely look baptized. He got baptized seven days ago. <laughs> cool that's what I was wanting to say I was wanting to thank the Johnsons for hosting the luau I think this is our fourth annual one and they just keep getting better you know Um, the glory of the latter Johnson's house will be greater than the former Uh, we're going to continue with baptisms that was awesome all right so kids who can tell me now this is for some of the bigger kids Got to listen closely. What word am I spelling? Okay, ready? I love the eagerness, bro. I just, it's, as a teacher, you know, that just, we love that. L-A-V-A. Lava. You may have played a game called the floor is lava. Anybody? No? Yeah. They didn't have it when I was a kid, but Zion. We got it for Zion. Somebody did. Anyway, I'm glad this floor isn't lava, because if this floor was lava, we would melt. (laughs) Yeah. And it wouldn't take long either. Lava melts rocks. So, did you know that they talk about lava in the Bible? Did you know that? Yes? Wow, dude, I'm impressed. Yes, another yes. Your, your mom and dad have been theologically, theologically baptizing you. Does anybody know where it talks about lava? Dude, I didn't even think of that. You, 
He nailed it. He said, uh, you know, when Satan gets thrown into the lava pit, dude, you just did like exegesis. I think that's what it calls where you bring out a word and you like it's it's called the lake of fire. But a lake of fire is a lava pit, dude. All right. I got to dap you up in front of everybody. Pow. So, all right. He just taught me something I didn't know. That's another reference to lava. Okay. But I was thinking of this one. So that's a lava pit you don't want. It's like, you know, wherever Satan, the, dev- the devil, that serpent of old, wherever he's being thrown, we don't want to go there, okay? But did you know there's a good kind of lava? Daniel chapter 7, verse 10. Daniel goes to sleep. And all of a sudden, he finds himself in heaven. He sees someone sitting on a throne. And it says there's millions of angels around him. And you know, some of these angels are big enough to put one foot on the land and the other foot on the ocean. And there's millions of them around this one who sits on the throne. And this name that Daniel gives him is so mysterious. He calls the one on the throne, the ancient of days. The ancient of days. Even before there was any days, he was. Now here's the part I'm getting to with the lava. It says all these millions of angels were with him. And then it says a river of fire came from his presence. And a lake of fire is like a lava pit. A river of fire is like a flowing stream of lava. Now, me and Mr. Davey, we have used this phrase quite a bit when talking about the heart of God. We say, God's heart is full of liquid lava love. It's a little bit of repetition there what's that called when you alliteration well not that actually but redundancy because liquid lava lava already is liquid i think um definitely has the appearance and uh action of liquid but god's heart pumps blood just like your heart pumps blood but his heart is full of this fiery Love, it's called agape, perfect love flows from him. And you know what that lava does? It melts the devil. It melts sin. It melts pride. And it, there's nothing like it. So this is what I want to say to you. That river of fire, it's going somewhere. That lava stream, it's going somewhere. A river always goes somewhere, okay? And that liquid lava is heading towards you. In fact, it's already right here. That lava is already flowing around you. That's God's burning passion for you. The zeal for you and it's also his you know god hates okay he 
hates the devil. He hates him. He wants to destroy him. He wants to destroy him because the devil wants to destroy your life. But God says, no, my liquid lava love is going to destroy him. It's going to melt him and it's going to make you so happy. And you're going to be like, God, I had no idea you felt like that. Your liquid lava love has got me like crazy. Just give me a second to like get myself together here. All right. So that's what I wanted to tell you. I pray. Well, let me just pray. Let's actually pray. Father, I pray that you would show these kids way beyond what Daniel saw. I pray that they would see the Ancient of Days on the throne. And I pray that they would see what was in his ancient heart for them specifically. I pray that your liquid lava love would hit their hearts, go from your heart to their heart, and that they would feel you speaking their name in love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Should we do it quiet? Yeah? Yeah, okay. We're going to honor our our man Phineas's wishes. Bro, if you could see the way I feel about you, it'd probably freak you out. But Okay, put your hands in here. And we're going to break it down on liquid lava love. Okay? Get your tongues ready for alliteration. Liquid lava love. So we're going to go one, two, three, and then. All right? But we can't do it too loud because we're going to honor our friend Phineas. We don't want to hurt his ears. Okay? Liquid lava love. On three. One, two, three. Liquid lava love. And you all all paid attention to the directions. I mean, man, y'all got some great parents and you got a great God who's teaching you, giving you an obedient spirit. Man, thank you all so much. Oh, you have a Mary of Bethany heart. Just stand and look into the Lord. Any of the kids who cares? Did you say that people know the ages and stuff? Okay. Yeah. There were two verses on my heart. Karis asked me who was speaking, and I just didn't have any leading for anybody speaking, uh, not myself or, or anybody. Today, I felt two scriptures coming to my heart, and I felt like I needed to read those. And I may say something about them. In fact, there's a good chance I will. Isaiah 62. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace, or translated, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. So God won't be silent. He will not rest because of his love 
for Zion, for Jerusalem, for his people. Guys, this, this is not contingent on our good report card. He's like, look, because of that liquid lava love, because of the way I feel about my kids, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to rest. I'm not going to stop speaking. I'm not going to stay silent until this. Her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. Now I want to submit to you that we as the people of Zion, the people of Jerusalem, the people of God, we have not seen this fulfilled yet. We have not seen the people of God go forth into the earth with righteousness that goes forth as brightness. Now I praise God for what he's done over the thousands of years with his people. He has been faithful to give a witness. He has been faithful to shine at times, at places, in places, through people. But I'm telling you, what God has in mind here, we've not yet seen that on the earth. (laughs) We have not yet seen his righteousness, or excuse me, our righteousness go forth as brightness. Our righteousness has been more like, you know, putting up a billboard every now and again or like holding a sparkler. We haven't really shined with righteousness as brightness to illuminate the earth. And he won't rest until her, until her salvation is like a lamp that burns. Our salvation, the way we present being saved, and I don't mean just justified by his blood. That's just the beginning of salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Peter says there's coming in the last days a salvation that is ready to be revealed. Paul talked about coming to preach to the Romans who were already saved. But he said, we need to get you more saved. Doesn't mean you need to receive again the remission of sins. When you say yes, you're a child of God. But there is always more of his salvation to enter into our beings. There's more for us to be saved from. We got a lot of junk going on. That fall, we fell further than we realized. The Bible talks about being saved to the uttermost. I think I've said something like this before. This is the way I said it. I said, I'm waiting to see one free person. And I don't say that condemnation on me or anybody else. I'm waiting to see one human who's actually free. And part of the way God has made me is, you know, God has given different gifts, it says, in the body of Christ. One of the main ways he he has operated with me is to give me discernment. And I believe every believer has discernment, and I believe even every person has a degree of discernment. I am looking to discern a person who's really free. I am looking to be a person who's truly free. I am looking for a body of Christ, a worldwide body who is free. That's when our righteousness 
shines its brightness. That's when our salvation burns. Like we're burning. Our salvation is burning. What pride, if our salvation is burning, what we're saved from, what pride can stay alive there? When the liquid lava love is just pouring into us, all the other junk is melted. Any obstacle is melted. So, I want to say again, and what I'm saying tonight, these verses that I'm reading, they're not as much instructive or teaching. I don't think that's the point of what I'm speaking tonight. There are times when you give a teaching of instruction, of admonition, encouragement, of action. There are times when you just speak the truth of God and let the truth do what it will to every human who agrees with it. So I believe the scripture and what he is putting in my mouth to speak according to the scripture will do its work in your heart. But for our sake, he's not going to rest. He's not going to shut up. He's not going to stay silent until our righteousness goes forth as brightness and our salvation is a lamp that burns. So I want to set the stakes really high. I want you to get your hopes really high. I want you to have your standards skyrocket high. Like when Jesus said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That has nothing to do with performance, by the way. Nothing. That's what it's really saying is, let the Lord fully develop you into what he bought with his blood. But guys, I want us, like, like a pit bull, to lock into this idea. This is not the only scripture where it talks about this. In Ephesians, it says, we, as the body of Christ, are going to grow up into all things. We are going to attain to the full stature of Christ. We are going to reach the unity of the faith. Just think about that. That's another way to say righteousness going forth as brightness and salvation as a lamp that burns. My granddad, and I've quoted this before, but before he passed, I remember I used to, when I was taking my master's classes, I used to eat supper with grandmother and granddad. Grandmother would make this amazing meal, just, and I'd go hard. I'd be so full sitting in my evening master's classes. But I remember granddad saying, I believe in miracles that will happen all over the earth, resurrection from the dead. But the greatest miracle, the greatest miracle will be worldwide unity in the body of Christ. And I agree. We can't even get unified in like a group of people in the body of Christ. And again, I'm not speaking negatively over us. The thing that I most tell people when they ask, how's dwelling going? This is what I've been saying the last two years most often. I'm like, man, you know, our numbers have been carved down, but I, there is a unity. There is a camaraderie being developed. There is a family army of friends, identity, that's coming forth. And you know what? There's nothing more important than that to begin with. And you know what? You know where it comes from? Not because our unity skills are getting better. Okay? That is just a fruit from the root that Jesus Christ planted as dwelling. We are simple-minded, just looking to the Lord. 
Those who look to him, their faces are radiant. They will never be covered with shame. So as we have had this root, again, planting of the Lord, it's not because I was a good planter or you guys were good waterers. We did our part. But it's because the Lord Jesus Christ, he planted us, or the Father who's the gardener planted us, and Jesus has pruned us. But we have the root of David in our midst, and David was rooted in this, I just want to look to the Lord. And anything positive that came out of his life came from that root. And that's what was the root of Jesus' life. That's what the root of Paul's life was. That root will produce true fruit. So I believe our unity that is developing is the fruit of our rootedness in looking to Jesus. Just, you know, you know. And then when he says something, we do it. We are going to reach the unity of faith. And I don't think we can, with any sense or even divine logic, push that off to like heaven. Why would we need the unity of the faith in heaven? No. The unity of the faith is coming on earth. All right, one other verse in Romans. I have a memory that, uh, it's funny, my my short-term memory doesn't work near as well as my long-term memory. So maybe when this becomes a long-term memory, I'll remember it more clearly. Um, But I, I, I think not long ago I read this scripture, Romans 1, 16 and 17. Paul writing to the Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek or Gentiles, which is us. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. Now that scripture came into my heart too because I was thinking that contained the two key words in Isaiah 62 that I wanted to highlight. The two words in Isaiah 62 were righteousness and salvation. God's not going to quit. He's going to boom. And any task he sets out to do, he has 100% success rate. He has never failed. So when he says, I'm not going to stop till the righteousness is brightness, your righteousness is brightness. It's one thing for him to say, my righteousness is brightness, which that's amazing. But when he says, I'm getting your righteousness to light up the earth, it's like, whoa, whoa, now we're going like Ephesians 4 again. You're going to do the unity of the faith? You mean our righteousness is going to light up the whole planet? Oh, God. Oh, God. Only by your mercy. (laughs) How are you going to do that? 
Everybody else must be very different from me if you're going to do that, Lord. And the other word was salvation that burns, burning salvation, the very flame of the Lord. And I tell you what, the Lord's flames don't go out. You know, there's seven burning lamps before his throne. Do you think those things go out? And the angel's like, oh, Michael, you, you let it go out. You know we have to really take care of the flame of the Lord. It's, it's kind of delicate. No. Those are the seven spirits of God before his throne. And they have no problem always burning from ancient of days. The river of fire is always flowing. There's no danger of it going out. Well, that's going to be shown in us, in his kids. We're going to be just like our dad. We're going to be little lava rivers. We are going to be burning flames of salvation. A torch that's shining righteousness brightly. And then come back to here again. I'm going to read it again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So the gospel, it is the power of God. It's not a set of like ideals. It's not a tract that outlines the Romans road. And I don't mean to disparage that. God has used that to bring people into relationship with him. But it's not a set of words. It's not even just a set of scriptures. While the scriptures are absolutely inerrant and their foundation of the way we interpret God's voice. But the gospel, and we're going to get to that word in a second. We got to look at that word a little bit to, to look deeper into the righteousness and salvation that we're talking about. But that gospel, Paul says, it is the power of God. It's the power of God. Paul said, I came to you in weakness and trembling. Imagine like, you know, a preacher, like what we would think of as a powerful preacher or a brilliant preacher. And they get up on the stage, my weakness. Paul's like, that's the way I came to you. I determined to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. Maybe he just came up there in front of the Thessalonians or the Corinthians. It was like, Christ and him crucified. The crucifixion, the blood of Jesus, the nails. And they're like, what is this guy talking about? Then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gets behind that stuff. And they all fall on the ground. Not because somebody pushed them. Well, somebody did push them, capital S, the Holy Spirit, because he got behind those words because those words weren't words. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's a demonstration of power. The good news, the gospel, is the power of God. Power. 
power. That's why one word or one syllable, or you could pull a Charles Finney. He walked into a factory, into this place where they, they called it like, uh, they called the, te- the town like uh, hell's something because it was so wicked. He walks into a factory filled with people. He stands before them. Anointed to preach. He preaches with power by his presence. Doesn't say a word. And these people who were like drunken addicts and, and, and nobody, nope, every, they had the reputation. Any preacher who came in there kind of ran out like the sons of Sceva, naked and bleeding because they got their tails whooped by the devil who was working through wicked people. Finney comes in and stands in the midst of these people and he watches their faces go from gnashing teeth to little lambs. They fall under the power of God. He leaves them groaning and writhing in conviction. Comes back hours later. I I feel like maybe 12 hours later, something. They're still groaning under the power of God because it was the power God didn't need any words right then. The good news is the power. God loves to use the words. He loves to use his scriptures. But he'll do as he pleases. He sits in the heavens. He does as he pleases. Is what it says in the Psalms. He doesn't need our boxed-in theology of what the gospel is. In fact, we can look at some of the linguistics there of that word which we're about to do and we can begin to see some of the insight is oh our maybe our idea of the gospel has been a little anemic maybe our idea of the gospel has been like really boxed in maybe god wants to erupt from our little jack-in-the-box idea of the gospel but it is the power of God, but it's unto. That's what it is, is substance. But the point of it, the purpose, is for salvation. To save us from our dumb thinking about God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Gabriel? I feel like you got that. We have a lot of dumb thinking of God. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Our wrong view of God, my wrong view of God, causes me to be something, a a person who's living very devoid of the salvation Jesus offers. Okay, And again, I'm not trying to speak ill of myself. I'm trying to be honest. We don't know the power of God so well And therefore, we have experienced so little of his salvation. Now I say that looking at a group of people who I, every week, I feel it. It's not just I'm like, oh yeah, these people at Dwelling are cool. And man, they're godly. No, I feel it. I feel God's high opinion of you. I feel it like that you are like these people who I'm humbled to be around I feel that yet we 
who, you know, I like to call you guys a band of misfit all-stars, okay? The misfit part is to keep us, you know, honest and humble. But also, let's call a spade a spade. When God's saying, hey, these people are all-stars because they're weak, because they're, they're letting themselves be weak before me. Because when we're weak, we're strong. When we're weak before the Lord, we're an exalted all-star in his presence. But I'm telling you, as we look to him, as we receive his power, the good news, as we're able to get the good news, as that's revealed to us, we're going to start to experience salvation. And we're going to look like a people who are saved. Somebody at your work, somebody in your sphere, somebody at the grocery store is going to like be pushing their cart. They're, they're going to be simultaneously very afraid and very enamored. They're going to be simultaneously shaking and laughing. Because they're seeing a being who has salvation burning. It's going to be like, you know, they're only going to say, they're going to say this, manna. You know what that word means? It's the stuff that came from heaven, but it means what is it? Manna. So if you see somebody who comes up to you saying, manna, manna, you can be like, yes, my salvation's burning. (laughs) They're looking at me and saying, what is it? What is it that that person has? No, no, no. What is it, that being? What is it? That's an alien. Oh, that's biblical too. We're aliens and strangers on the earth. We're citizens of heaven. We're extraterrestrial. Paul said, you guys are living like mere humans. Uh, Paul, we're, we're, we're humans. He's like, well, actually, if you would let me speak to you, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. In fact, you are a Christ man now. You're a new Adam. You're superhuman. You're beyond human. Yeah, you still experience what is your fallen nature, but I have made you a superhuman. You're biblically a superhero. Paul says you guys are more than conquerors. You're more than gladiators. So those people at the grocery store, those people at work, are going to see somebody who's not just a mere human. And it's not going to be because we got horns and tail. All right. Nicholas, my brother, would you bring me my phone, please? It's on the front row. Just want to make sure I'm keeping the time. Thank you, bro. It's still talking about the gospel. The gospel is still the subject here. For in it, the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So I'm submitting to you that we know so little about the salvation of God. And we know so little about the righteousness of God. But it's not going to stay that way. 
And it's not going to be because you put your reading glasses on and got really smart. It's not going to be because you pulled up your fasting britches and said, all right, I'm going to be that devoted man of God that I know I need to be. Or, all right, I am going to be that super consecrated mom, that super consecrated wife. I'm going to go for it. That's not how our righteousness is going to be brightness. That's not how our salvation is going to burn. It's going to come from the Lord. The good news is this is not on you. The good news is this doesn't rest on your ability to pull it off. In fact, (laughs) our tendency as mere humans, our tendency is to resist the good news and offer God the best news we can about ourselves. Hey, what do you think? It's not perfect, but... ah, ah. Now look, there's a good thing about coming to God and being broken. There's a good thing about saying, Lord, are you pleased with this? But it's not a good thing. It drowns out his good news when we keep coming back and trying to convince him of our improvement or of our good behavior. That chokes the good news. The good news is, I am nothing, he's everything. I'm weak, he's strong. He has the power of God for my salvation. I have nothing. I can only receive it. So, salvation is going to burn in us. The good news, the gospel, is going to put in us salvation that we've never known. And the righteousness of God is going to be revealed. And we know the biblical principle, as we behold, we become. We, are, we look at His face and we are transformed into His glory. When we see the righteousness of God, when we see the righteous one, we will become like Him because we will see Him as He is. When we see the righteousness of God, like, oh, that's what you're talking about, that I'm right with you. Oh, that's what you're talking about when you have everything right in your mind and your being. Oh, that's the righteousness of God. We just come into right being, right order. And yes, a fruit of that is right actions. But the actions are only a fruit. You try to grow fruit without a root. I mean, that you can only do that with plastic or like, mirage or like magician tricks ain't no fruit that's really fruit that can be eaten and tastes juicy ever grown with no root i was hoping that biology i mean that sounds pretty good doesn't it my arborist my uh, resident arborist connor there has to be a root to produce fruit if we don't have the root of righteousness man our fruit is something else it's, it's like the devil's counterfeit. It stinks. It's like, it's Abel's fruit. There's no, sorry, Abel, bless you. It's Cain's fruit. It's that rotten works. This is what I did with my hands. All right, I want to end by just doing a little bit 
of unpacking of the word that is in the New Testament so many times. I forget how many times. A lot. Definitely over 100. Um, the word that we translate gospel. Okay? Right before verses 16 and 17, when the whole point is Paul's talking about the gospel. He's like, it is the power. The point of it is to save you. And the end result, we see what's right about God and us. We see the righteousness of God. But before that, in verse 15, this is what he says. So as much as is in me, he's always extreme. He was an intense guy. It was his call. I can relate. So, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Yeah, I'm going to come there. I'm going to get some decisions for Christ. And he probably was. But he was writing this to those who were already in Christ. He was writing this to believers. He said, I'm going to come preach the gospel to you. They're like, oh, no, Paul, we're good. We already got the gospel, man. Yeah. We, we look forward to meeting you, Paul. We heard a lot of good things, man. We'd like to hear some of your stuff, man. Like to see some of your mighty miracles. We heard that God does unusual miracles through the hands of Paul. Your sweat rag even causes demons to flee and healings. We, we're looking forward to meeting you, man. But no, not the gospel. We're already saved. We don't need the gospel, bro. And Paul's like, well, you're thinking like a mere human. The gospel. I'm probably not going to pronounce it the right way. The Greek is euangelion. Euangelion. Evangelion. Evangelion, which can be translated glad tidings, good news, happy message. It actually has uh, the, the root for angel in it because the word angel is, has been used messenger, angel. It was actually um, a secular, political in military term, Jesus, just like he did for the word church, which was ecclesia or ecclesia, that was a group of people who were called out to rule and reign, to have governmental authority in a place. Well, the gospel was like the good news that the good guys, whoever your army was, won. And that you were going to bring the bad guys back and like, make a public spectacle of them, put them in prison, dance in the streets, take all their stuff, their valuables, and it was good. Things were getting better for you. You gained some more land, you gained some more money, and you gained a better reputation. Oh, we got some good news in our town. We got some good news in our city. We're celebrating tonight. Yeah, Evangelion. Good news. Happy message. We won. One of the first times it was used was in 9 BC. Okay. Um, <clears throat> or 9 CE. It's the 
more recent scholarly term in the last recent decades. The common era. Nine years roughly before Christ, they spoke about this dude called Caesar Augustus. It's a biblical name. He shows up in the Bible. They said, talking about him, our, and I'm paraphrasing here, they, they wrote, it's like a newspaper article of the day, our sovereign, our God in the flesh, because they considered, the Romans considered their Caesar a God among them. He has come to give us victory and spoils. He has come and provided for us the bliss of this present moment. He has come with his gospel. The good news is Caesar Augustus, God in the flesh, is here. Which is so interesting to me. Like the devil like tries to like, he knows enough to like try to go after and counterfeit God before he does it. The Bible says first the natural, then the spiritual. That was the natural, human, fleshly interpretation of God in the flesh and the true good news. That wasn't good news. Dude, that's, that's really bad news you're calling a human God. That's terrible news. In fact, when they told Herod he was a god and he didn't disagree with them, it says that worms ate him from the inside and he died. That was really bad news for Herod. I want to get your hopes high. I want you to get your belief high that we have an Evangelion to discover. We have a power of God that is the good news, that is the gospel. It is the power of God. And again, just another encouragement, a pat on the back, a shoulder rub to relieve you. You're not in charge of the power of God. Mm, That's the power of God. The good news is the power of God. This is not of you. You have been saved by grace through the vehicle of faith. This is not of yourselves, Paul said. So I want to present to you, if there's any purpose that I can perceive, and I don't have to perceive a purpose to give a message, that's not my business. That's not, I mean, I'll take it if he gives it to me. My business is to speak what is in my heart and my mouth as best as I can. And then the results are up to God. But if there's any purpose I can perceive, it's just to get you ready for the power of God as he shows you the good news. I'm telling you, if we knew the good news, if we experienced the power of God that is the good news, the righteousness that would be revealed in us, the salvation that would be burning is going to light up the earth. It's going to provide a warmth. It is going to turn heads. It is going to drop jaws. It is going to have an impact. Isaiah 64, oh Lord, would you come down as you did in days of old like a fire that causes wood to burn, like Fire that causes water to boil. An impact. I don't think there's anything else to say. Father, 
Thank you for your good news. Thank you for your glad tidings, your happy message. Father, I believe it's pleasing in your sight for me to be honest with you and honest in the assembly that we know very little of the good news. We need the greater Paul, who is Jesus, the one who said, I must go to another town. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. This is why I was sent. Jesus, will you not be silent in the midst of this Zion company? Will you not be silent? Will you not rest until we hear the good news? Would you, Jesus, do what your you said it was your purpose? Your purpose was to preach the good news of the kingdom. Paul's purpose was to be a herald of the good news. Again and again and again. We always need more of the good news. More, 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 more good news. Open our ears to hear the good news. Open our eyes to see the greater Finney who just stands there and preaches with power by his presence. That's you, Jesus. You were standing in that factory. Apart from you standing there, there was no impact. But when you come into town, you don't even need a mic. We honor you, Jesus. To you be all the glory. You have the preeminence. You are the good news. You are the good news personified, embodied. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in you, in Christ. You hold all things together by the word of your power. Everything is going to be summed up. Everything is going to be summed up in you, Jesus Christ. Our lives are hidden in you with God. Lord, bring the good news and uh, don't be silent anymore. Show that you're not resting. Show that you're working. I, I welcome the good news. I just feel like I need to do this. All right, beautiful people. Y'all have a great night. Go love on one another. We'll see you again next week.